Well, grab your Bibles, please, and uh, open them to Job chapter 13, if you haven't already. Uh, Job chapter 13, we're going to read from verse 13 all the way through to the end of chapter 14. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time online, um, then you're joining us in the middle of a series looking through this book, the book of Job. Uh, And it's a book in the Bible that uh, wrestles with the complex issue of God and suffering. So, so far in this book, we've met the man Job. Uh, Job was a good man. He, He loved God. He's described as being blameless and upright. And yet God allowed him to suffer in an unimaginable way. He lost all his money, he lost his job, he lost his children, all ten of them died, and he lost his health. He was covered in these painful, sore, infectious boils. And the majority of the book of Job is taken up with this poetic dialogue between him and three of his friends, wrestling with the issue of why God has allowed this to happen. And we saw last week that these three friends, their names are Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar. These three friends are very religious, but the words that they speak to Job are totally useless and misapplied. You see, Job's friends believe that um, God is punishing Job because of some sin that he has done in his life. Now, we know um, from reading the first two chapters of the book that that is not the case that's not true and yet their advice is so often what we hear from people especially religious people when it comes to suffering these friends want to give answers um, to questions that they don't know the answers to they want to explain exactly what God is doing when they have no clue what God is doing and as such they end up being very um, insensitive and unhelpful in what they say to Job. In fact, just look at chapter 13, verse 4. Look at how Job describes them. He says this to them, You, however, smear me with lies. You are worthless physicians, all of you. You're liars. You're like useless doctors. It's as if you have um, come up with this imaginary illness just so that you can say that you have the cure. But it's false. So what you've got in the book of Job is a, is a man in the pits of depression, broken and hurting, and he's receiving counsel from his three friends that is totally useless, that is smeared with lies. What does this man Job need then to help him get through his suffering? Well, one of the big things that he needs, and it's what we need, is hope. Hope is what Job needs and hope is what Job is going to start to hold on to. Uh, I remember there was a great tagline to the film uh, Shawshank Redemption when that came out there was a, a great tagline on the posters that said fear will hold you prisoner but hope will set you free. We need hope but it's got to be real Now here's what you've got to understand about uh, Job and his responses to his friends and his speeches in this book. He starts off very dark. I mean, he's really in the pits of depression. Uh, And he's got no hope when he starts talking. But as he responds to the useless advice of his friends, it's as if this hope just starts to take root in him and, and and it grows more and more as he starts to reflect on who God is his hope becomes more and more real. 
Remember I was saying at the start of this series on Job that, that Job is wrestling with the question, why? Why has God allowed this to happen to me? Uh, isn't that a question that we often wrestle with? But I think the book of Job would ask us to consider a bigger question. And it's who? Who is the God who governs the world this way? Can I trust him? You see, Job wants to know him. Because this God is his only hope. So let's read what he says here. Chapter 13, verse 13. Um, He's responding to his friends, uh, first of all. He says this, Keep silent, my friends, and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though God slay me, yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, for no godless person would dare come before him. Listen carefully to what I say. Let my words ring in your ears. Now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. Can anyone bring a charge against me? If so, I will be silent and die. Job now turns and speaks to God. Verse 20. Only grant me these two things, God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me. Stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer, or let me speak and you reply to me. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offence and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a wind-blown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? For you write down bitter things against me and make me reap the sins of my youth. You fasten my feet in shackles. You keep close watch on all my paths by putting marks on the soles of my feet. So man wastes away like something rotten, like a garment eaten by moths. Mortals born of women are a few days and full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away like fleeting shadows they do not endure. Do you fix your eye on them? Will you bring them before you for judgment? Who can bring what is pure from the impure? No one. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So look away from him and let him alone till he has put in his time like a hired labourer. At least there's hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. But a man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last and is no more. As the water of a lake dries up or a riverbed becomes parched and dry, so he lies down and does not rise. Till the heavens are no more, people will not awake or be roused from their sleep. If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you would set me a time and then remember me. If someone dies, will they live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offences will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. But as a mountain erodes and crumbles, 
and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy a person's hope. You overpower them once for all and they are gone. You change their countenance and send them away. If their children are honoured, they do not know it. If their children are brought low, they do not see it. They feel but the pain of their own bodies and mourn only for themselves. A lot of stuff there, I'm sure it seems confusing. Sometimes the poetry in Job is, is pretty confusing. It's very dark as well. Remember this, this is a man who is um, wrestling with depression and heartache. But there is a diamond of hope shining against the black backdrop of Job's pain. So let's pray and then we'll look at this passage together. Let me pray for us. Father, we need your help. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now through your word? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us hope? Hope that is not wishful thinking, but hope that is real and grounded in truth. Please now would you draw our eyes towards Jesus, in whom all our hope is found, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Please would we see him as we study these words of Job now. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, here's what I want to do with this passage. Just want to see two things, really. Firstly, we're going to look at the hope that Job longed for to help him through his suffering. And then secondly, I want us to see the hope that followers of Jesus have to help them through suffering. So the hope that Job longed for and the hope that you can have as a follower of Jesus that will help us through our suffering. Firstly then, the hope Job longed for to help him through his suffering. Let's get our heads as to, as to what Job's actually saying here. Uh, Job's had enough of his friends. They're, they're insensitive. They're unwise counsel. And so he says to them in verse 13, Look, I need you guys to just keep silent. Stop speaking and listen to me. Let me speak. I've been thinking about this and I want to tell you what I really need. Job says, I'm going to put my life in my hands But what I really want more than anything is to speak to God. And I know that's dangerous because this wild, untamable God who has allowed this suffering to to come upon me, he's unpredictable, but I need to hear him. I need to be with him. For Job, this is his hope. Job's hope is that he can have fellowship with God. God is his only hope. And just look at what he says. Look at verse 15. It's one of those verses that you might just read over. But it's incredible what he says there. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Do you hear that? Even if God were to kill me, I realise that he is still my only source of hope. It can only come from him. He goes on to say, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, for no godless person would dare come before him. Job knows that that godless people cannot stand before God, but he also knows that he is not godless. He loves God. He knows that the being with God will work out for his deliverance or his salvation. 
That is Job's hope, to be with God. Even if God were to kill him, if God were to slay him, it wouldn't change that. Now, it's worth pausing just to chew on that. Because look, when when you are suffering, you need hope to anchor you. And what will that hope be? In this current crisis, we can put all our hope on finding a cure for this disease. We can hope that that things were going to go back to normal soon, and, and I'm sure they will. But even if that does happen, even if it does get back to normal, we get back to our normal routine of life. We will still go through pain. We will still go through suffering. We will still experience heartache and anxiety. You know, we get through this virus. The mortality rate for every human being will still be the same. 100% we are all still going to die and so we need a hope that's bigger that doesn't just think about our current situation but but thinks about all of suffering all of life all of death we need we need a hope that kind of transcends all of that when you're in the dirt of life and everything seems to have fallen apart friends family that's not going to be enough There needs to be something where we realise that our pain was not pointless. And Job knows that that is God. Oh how he longs for God. And oh how it frustrates him that this God is silent to his cries. But even if it kills him, he cannot leave God. Now people might struggle with that. They might struggle with verse 15. Even if God kills me, I will still hope in him. But they struggle because they don't see, I think what Job sees, and we saw it way back in chapter 1. They don't see the supreme worth of God. Do you see, for Christians, God is not just some imaginary friend. God is not some crutch that we lean on to get us through life's difficulties. This is the great, mighty, sovereign God who made the universe, who governs it from beginning to end. This is the God who is good, the God who is powerful, the God who loves his people, the God who is supremely worthy. He is everything. So if I don't get that diagnosis that I have been wanting, Or if I am struggling with this emotional anxiety. Or if I can't understand why God would take that person out of my life. I will still hold on to him. Even if we don't know why. We still hold on to him. We hope in him above all else. Because there is nowhere else you can find hope apart from him. And because he is always worthy. Now Job really is holding on to God. And I think, he's, I think he's barely holding on to God. Because here's what you've got to understand. He recognises God's his hope. He's holding on to him. But it is not easy. He is really struggling with the apparent silence of God. So do you notice in verse 20, he, when he speaks to God, he says, God, I want to ask you two things. It's one of the great things that Job does. is He, he always brings his pain to God. He's honest. He, he prays to him. And he says, grant me two things. What two things does he want? Firstly, verse 21, withdraw your hand far from me. Stop this pain in my life. Second request, verse 22, summon me and I will answer. God, 
speak to me. Stop this pain and speak to me. See, Job just, he wants God, but he feels that God is so distant. I remember um, reading a a very moving book by the author C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've heard of them. And and he wrote a book called A Grief Observed. Now, now C.S. Lewis was a Christian. Um, But in A Grief Observed, it's very like Job, he he describes um, what it was like when his wife died. And one of the things he said, he felt that he was desperately crying out to God and it felt like the door had been slammed in his face and there was a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, there was a silence that got more and more emphatic. You see, Job feels that. But he keeps waiting because he knows that he needs God. And what we feel is not often a basis for what's true. He, want, he wants to come before him. But as he thinks about this, he, as he thinks about having fellowship with God, he realises, well, hold on, there's two big barriers to this request of wanting to be with God. The first barrier he recognises is his sin. Now, now, Job loves God. Remember, he's not been punished for his sin. But Job is nevertheless not sinless. In fact, there's stuff that he says here that later on in the book he has to repent um, because he he said things that were wrong about God. But he also knows that sin should separate him from God. And so he asks God, verse 23, show me my wrong. You see, I guess he thought that his sin had been dealt with through sacrifice. Remember, he he sacrificed for the sins not just of himself but of his kids. And so if that's true, if God has forgiven him, then why does it feel like he has been treated as someone who has not been forgiven? So he recognises that that his sin is a barrier. But then the second thing he recognises is that death is a barrier. Death is the destroyer of all hope. And for Job, he just laments the fact that his time will be short. So how can he see God? And so in verse 28 of chapter 13, all the way through to uh, verse 12 of chapter 14, Job just recites this beautiful poem about the reality of death. He says that we are like a piece of cloth. All mankind is just like a piece of cloth that's been slowly eaten away by moths. We are are like flowers that, that grow up quickly and then wither and die. We are like shadows that are fleeting. God has set us a a small amount of time. He has placed a limit on us all. Verse 7 there, he says, uh, there is hope for a tree. You know, when a tree is cut down, um, what happens? It sprouts and it grows up again. But mankind is not like a tree. Verse 11, we are more like a riverbed that's dried up. We die and we stay dead. So what hope can there be What hope can there be, honestly, for us if that's true? You know, this virus has um, shaken us, but it's awakened us up to the reality that many of us in the Western world run from in our comfortable lifestyles, a reality that we can distract ourselves from. And that's the fact that we are frail and we are mortal. 
And when Job thinks on that, he wonders, how could I have the hope of being with God if I just die? Uh, it reminds me of a quote from a band that I really like, um, the band Radiohead. Uh, Radiohead would be a great accompaniment to the book of Job if you've ever um, listened to them. Uh, they're not the most uplifting band. Uh, but they write some really beautiful songs. And they wrote a song called Street Spirit, which you should definitely check out if you've never heard that before. And, and it's a song about the reality of death. And I remember there was an interview with Tom York, the lead singer of Radiohead, and he said this about that song. He said, Fans don't realise that street spirit is about staring the devil right in the eyes and knowing no matter what you do, he'll get the last laugh. And it's real and true. The devil really will get the last laugh in all cases without exception. And if I let myself think about that too long, I'd crack. Fans that can deal emotionally with that song don't know what it's about. It's why we play it towards the end of our sets. It drains me and it shakes me and it hurts every time I play it, looking out at thousands of people, cheering and smiling, oblivious to the tragedy of its meaning. Now that can sound like a, like a, a bit of a downer, but, but Tom York's just been realistic. Death just makes everything seem hopeless. So here's the issue. Job, uh, Job's hope is to be with God, but he sees two problems. He sees that sin is a barrier. He sees that death is a, is a barrier. Is there a solution? Oh, yes. And for a brief, tiny moment, Job just catches a glimpse through the eyes of faith of something that was yet to come. Look at what he says. He kind of just flips around now in verse 13. Look at what he says in verse 13 of chapter 14. God, if only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you would set me a time and then remember me. If someone dies, will they live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offences will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. See, Job says, well, you know, death is final, but, but hold on, wait a second. What if it's not? God, you can do all things. What if you were to hide me in the grave and then set a time where I can meet you after death? You see, although I don't understand you, God, I know that you love me. I know even in the face of the dark reality of death, you have the power to undo it. You could make me new. You could renew me completely. Fix me from the brokenness of the world. Remember Job's longing in, in verse 22 of chapter 13. God, I pray that you would call and answer me. And he seems to be saying here, I know you will call and I will answer. Because I know you long for me. I know you love me. And I know that even death itself cannot be a barrier to that. I know, God, that you could just take my sin, gather it up as if it was gathered into a bag, seal it up and throw it away for all eternity. See, these are a magnificent words of faith from a believer in the depths of despair. I mean, it really is astonishing. And Job, 
you spoke truer words than I think you could ever realise. Would be great, wouldn't it, if uh, if we just if you kind of stopped his speech there, that, that note of hope of what's going to happen. But he doesn't, does he? See in verse eighteen to twenty-two, he he goes back to his feeling of kind of hopelessness. He says, no one can prevent the reality of sin and death. He realises it erodes mankind as water erodes the rocks. It erodes all hope. Man is all alone under the judgment of God. It would be great if resurrection was true. But how could that be possible? There was a glimmer of hope. Like like in these days of isolation, um, when it's really gloomy, and then suddenly a ray of sunshine just pierces through the clouds, and it lifts your spirits. But then quickly it's gone as the clouds gather again. And yet that little ray of hope has taken root now in Job. And what starts out here as a longing, by the time we get to chapter 19, which we'll look at next week on Easter Sunday, that longing will become a rock-solid assurance. What he wishes for, if only, will become, I know. We'll see that next week on Easter Sunday. But here's what we need to see today if you follow Jesus. That little ray of hope for us today has become a certainty that has permanently dispersed those gloomy clouds away forever so that there's only sunshine we can know Job's longing is true we can know that it's certain we can know that it's real do you know why very simply because Jesus has shown and proven it to be true see that's the hope that Job longed for but here's the second thing this is the hope that we have as Christians The whole point of Jesus coming was to remove the barriers between us and God. The barriers that Job himself saw of sin and death. Jesus removed that. And Jesus did that through great suffering. Look, we cannot read Job on this side of the cross and think that God is just up there letting people suffer and he doesn't care. You can't think that when you see Jesus. Because Job's suffering was just a picture of the greater suffering of the Lord Jesus. God himself has been down in the muck and the dirt of of the suffering of life. Jesus suffered an unimaginable torment. Why? So that Job's request could be fulfilled. So that Job's longing could be certain takes down those barriers he takes down firstly the barrier of sin that's what he does as he is crucified the sin that separates us from God my sin he takes it on himself and he lets God punish him so that I won't have to be punished he has taken the punishment in my place and so those feelings of being abandoned by God that were not true for Job were true for the Lord Jesus God abandoned him, God punished him in our place so the penalty of our sin could be paid and Jesus willingly did that for us. Now just think what that means. Look, I know it's hard when we're suffering and and when we're depressed especially, especially, we have a, a tendency to just be introspective. 
to look into ourselves and think, well, God doesn't care about me. But remember this. We mustn't forget this. We are sinners who have offended a holy God. He doesn't owe us anything. But also remember, we are forgiven. We are loved. See what Job said in verse 16. He said that God would count his steps but not keep track of his sin. In other words, I know that you know me, God. I know you care. You know the very number of the steps I've taken. God's knowledge is way more accurate than your Fitbit. You just know everything about me, including all the stuff that I try and keep hidden, the darkest recess of my heart. But I also know that you won't keep track of my sin. You'll keep track of every step I make, but you will choose not to keep track of all the sin and offence in my life. Just think of that, all the bad stuff that you have ever said or thought or done. For me, for, for 32 years and however many years that God gives me, All of that, imagine it all, gathered together, tied up in a bag like verse 17 says, and tossed away forever, covered up for all eternity. There's no rep sheet for us. But of course it didn't just go away, did it? It went on to Jesus. He took the rep. If you're in Jesus, let me tell you, God could never view you as an enemy. He could never not care about you. He could never abandon you. Why would he abandon you when he gave up the most precious thing that he had, his son, just so that he could get you? Now, sometimes you don't feel it. But look, don't build your hope upon what you feel, especially when you are down. Let God's word tether your soul to the truth. Even though I feel that you're gone, I'm seeing Jesus and I'm seeing the door's not being closed in my face. I will be with you for all eternity. Because here's the thing about Jesus. Not only does he remove that first barrier of sin, he also removes the second barrier. The barrier of death. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He lives. And that is the fact that changes this longing into a certainty. That changes everything. That is the linchpin of all Christian hope. If that resurrection didn't happen, we've got nothing. Paul says we are to be pitied more than any other human beings because we have believed a lie. But Jesus has risen. He has passed through death's dark valley. He has conquered the grave. See, Tom York from Radiohead was wrong. The devil did not get the last laugh. Jesus did. He's conquered death. That's why the wisest thing that you can do in your suffering is hold on to him. Look, Jesus um, Jesus is not distant from the pain that we feel. He, he doesn't ignore how horrible death is. There's a story in um, the Gospel of John, John chapter 11 where Jesus goes to the tomb of his friend, a man called Lazarus. And Lazarus has these two sisters called Mary and Martha. And they actually asked for Jesus to come a while back so that he could heal Lazarus and prevent him from dying. And they can't work out why Jesus took his time. 
and let their brother die. Interestingly though, John the author says that the reason he delayed was because he loved them. He let them suffer because he loved them. Because what Mary and Martha needed, what we need, is not just to understand that Jesus is some miracle worker. They needed to know that Jesus was the one who could conquer death. His actions brought glory to his name. And so what Jesus does is he, he comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And do you know what John tells us? He tells us that when he's standing in front of that tomb, he is overwhelmed with rage and anger and tears because there is nothing good about death. Our God is not distant to our pain. And yet nor is he powerless. Where Jesus stands at that tomb and through tears he yells at the tomb, Lazarus come out. John 11 verse 53 tells us, the dead man came out. You see, Jesus calls and even death cannot silence his call. Remember what Job said in verse 15 there of chapter 14, you will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. If you are in Jesus, your sins are covered. But not only that, when you die, he will call you and you will live. Because Jesus longs for those that he died to save. You know, we long to be with God, yes. But did you ever think about that? That God actually longs for us, sinners though we are. So when we suffer, that's our hope. Our hope here, I called the sermon Resurrection Hope. But our hope's not the resurrection, is it? That, that's the means to our, the end. Our hope is that we will be with God. It's like, you know, if you're getting married, you're not excited about the journey to the wedding. You're excited about the wedding, about, about meeting the person, being together. And so if you're at the point where you just feel, you know, God is bolted away, you, you, just, you just feel empty and that God is painfully silent come to this hope hold on to this hope we will see him he is in control of everything make no mistake he is behind he's sovereign over suffering he's behind everything that has happened but even if where he leads us will kill us we will hold on to him and this is not a quick fix remember it takes Job a while to get this hope the reason the book of Job is so long is because the gospel's not a quick fix. But it is telling us of our only hope. Cry out. It's what we must do. You know, God is so patient. <laughs> He's so patient. Even if we say stuff that is wrong or, or stuff out of ignorance, and make no mistake, Job says some stuff that he later apologizes for. But even when we do that, God knows corrects our folly but he doesn't leave us he still calls us and if you've given up everything for Jesus there will come a time where one day he will call and say well done my good and faithful servant come now and share your master's joy and the promise for us that's made certain by the resurrection of Jesus that we will be renewed we will be made new 
and there will be no more sin and there will be no more disease there will be no more suffering no more death and no more tears he is our hope let me pray father what hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus oh how Job longed for it he caught a glimpse of it and his suffering was great his pain was just unbelievable and yet that hope was what was needed to get him through this Father we thank you that that's the hope that we have and it's a hope that's certain because of what Jesus has done for us thank you that Jesus has taken those sins sealed them up in the bag put them on himself so that they are gone forever thank you that Jesus will call us because he longs for those that he died for he will raise us to new life thank you that we'll be renewed we are in the shadow lands now we are broken people and yet what we have in him is so real so help us to hold on to that in times of difficulty and trial we pray this in Jesus name Amen.